This is Chris Blunt and Chris Talks. Um, it's been a while since I've done this. Um, I always say that <laughs> because I take all types of breaks in between time. Uh, but I wanted to start something new. I wanted to give you guys um, somewhat of a season, like a collection of interviews. So uh, we're going to be starting this this time um, with a what I like to call like a sweet top 10 for me. Like I, I sat down one day and I was like, who are... Some people I would love to interview. And so I wrote down this list of people and I contacted them all. And it probably took a while <laughs> for everybody to get back to me. But one of the first people that uh, reached back out was this this um, person I'm going to introduce you to. Um, I am, if you, obviously, if you've known me, you know that I'm a huge fan of music. And so I think that Seattle has a very rich music scene filled with a bunch of different people and different styles and everything. So... Um, in, in my travels and in my performances, I would meet a lot of really cool, interesting characters. And this one um, is a very dope individual. Uh, <laughs> I we, we have a lot of people in common um, in the game or whatnot. So um, it's, it's definitely interesting. I remember when I first met this guy, um, something about him just seemed, seemed different. You know, like everybody kind of has this like this kind of exterior here. And it's very like passive and a little it's it's friendly. Sometimes it feels a little fake, but um he he was very he always came, seemed kind of like not like standoffish at all, but more so <laughs> but more so like this is real. Like and I felt like a sense of um authenticity with him. And I thought that was cool because I'm super judgmental of white people. So <laughs> it was just dope to get like a cool dude. Uh, you seem very authentic and, and dope. And honestly, I don't get a chance to talk to this guy a lot. So I'm I'm, I'm taking advantage of this time. Um, he's a dynamic individual uh, with a rich with a rich situation that he has. And we're going to get into it, man. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jared Cortez. Hello. Hello, Jared. Thank you, you Chris. That was a nice introduction. Excellent. Thank you, I man. Do, I don't know if that's a, a compliment in Seattle, but I took it as a compliment. <laughs> I, I think it's a compliment. <laughs> I think that's just dope, man. Like, you meet somebody who might tell you fuck you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got that vibe. Like, it wasn't mean. I would never do that. No, no, no. I know you won't. Or will you? <laughs> like, I meet people here, right? And so a lot of times you meet the, you meet someone of the quote unquote nice guys, right? You can tell certain people have their, their motives or whatnot. I think everybody is generally cool, though. This has been one of the nicest scenes out here. Like, um, but... But it's always good to meet somebody where you like, oh, I can actually shoot the shit with him and talk about anything. And you had that vibe where I was like, oh, man, I love to, like, sit down at a bar with this guy, shoot the shit out and, and find out what makes you tick, what pisses you off. Because you, you're one of the first people who, like, you would say something that pisses you off. Like, you would say something that you disagree with. What, what did I say to you? Just, I'm just wondering. I'm trying to remember I this guy. I don't remember. But it was something like, 
nah, fuck that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was on some like, nah, fuck that. Not like, oh, that's interesting. I thought that was dope, man. I like people who like, fuck the status quo. Like, you don't have to be as polite all the time because we aren't, we as people aren't all the time. So, um, and not only that, you're super, super talented. Um, you got, you, you do your thing on stage, man. And you have a different vibe. You it, like me, like, you know, when we, we do the gentleman allegiance thing, we do the suits and things like that. And you guys kind of have like, sort of like that, that presentation when you perform, mm. you know? So, and I, it was one of the things that stuck out so much. I listen to a lot of people and, you know, we see a lot of bands. So it's hard to figure out like, all right, who sticks out, who doesn't. Mm. And every time I always remember you guys' performances. For, oh, nice. for your own styles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think we have a lot in common in that way. Yeah, so I feel like that's important, man. We're going to get into, like, I want to get into your story and get into everything with you. So let's start off, man. Um, Looking forward to it. Yeah, man, let's do it. Um, Where are you from? Uh, I'm from a, a very small town uh, right outside Chicago. Well, I say right outside Chicago. It's about 70 miles from Chicago okay. called New Buffalo, Michigan. New Buffalo, Michigan. And it, right. there's about 2,000 people that actually live there. And mm-hmm. there's uh, enough space and, and housing to house 30,000 people because mm-hmm. in the summer, 28,000 people from the city, Chicago, come in wow. and infiltrate the city and, yeah, and basically fund the economy That's for the, the entire rest of the year. That's a lot of overflow, man. So it's a, it's a huge tourist. That is. That's it's right on Lake Michigan, but yeah. I was definitely a townie. Yeah. I was say, how was it growing up in that? Like, and seeing all that, is there like a, like, did you end up liking the people from Chicago or having like, uh, these motherfuckers are coming back again? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> I, gotcha. Gotcha. I, I think every, every town that handles that, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same. When I went... Yeah. To uh, Hawaii on my honeymoon, I I immediately felt that the, yeah. the locals had that we yeah. had something in common. We knew what was up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I feel like every single place that their entire economy is based on tourism, mm-hmm. it kind of is the same. Just a little bit, yeah. I like, know that um, we hate this, but we get to be free six months out of the year. Yeah, and, you know, basically that's how servants felt- for six months out of the year. That's how I felt growing up in New Orleans. Like, New Orleans, we would always be like, these motherfuckers are here again. Because everybody comes to New Orleans to be wild. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're not really that wild. So, you know, you got people, I always tell people, if you ever want to look like a tourist, wear beads outside of Mardi Gras. Because that's what they do. They just come inside, they're like, we're in New Orleans. And it's like March. And it's like, (laughs) woo! And we are like, seriously, why? (laughs) It's quiet outside. You know, so it's always a thing, man. Um, and sometimes I ask, all right, so, oh, man, I'm, I'm like. Well, I think they're hoping to see some nudity. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's usually. Yeah, that's the reason people wear the beads. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. They're hoping to see some nudity. <laughs> and I'm 20 just degrees like, outside. I'm like, really, guys? You can just ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just ask at this moment because everybody's a little drunk. Oh, uh, man. So, all right. So, I want to get into, like, all right. So, we got where you're from. Oh, now, New Buffalo, Michigan. That is. Yeah. That's interesting. Not many people know where that is. So, no. I just usually say yeah. Chicago. But it's very different than Yeah. Chicago. Very different. It's a different culture, but um, adjacent. Very easy, like, travel spot. Right? Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like I, I always equate it to, like, 
brackish water. That that's mm-hmm. the term for water with salt water yeah. and, and fresh water. Yeah. So we're like country and city like mixed together. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of this this weird hybrid oh, this dope. energy there. All right. That's, um, that sounds good. So I feel like I can understand both sides of yeah. the point very well. So all right, for those who are listening, because I did I, I did do this a little backwards, but it's okay. Because you know what? It's my show. I can do anything I want. Um, so like for starters, um, now that we know a little bit about you, a little bit about where you grew up, um, but who are you? Who are you? You are Jericho Tez, like uh, you're a musician, um, all the things. So what if you were to introduce yourself to a crowd? Oh man. Um <laughs> well yeah, Jared Cortese and yes. um I am a musician. Yeah, uh, I'm a teacher. I teach guitar. Dope. That's a big part of my identity now. And um, you know, from the Midwest, Word. raised super Republican, moved out to Seattle. Really, basically like a complete 180 cultural shift. And yeah. like, um, I but I think I think maybe kind of what you perceived when you first met me might have been just the mm-hmm. fact that I I, I I'm not turned off by that i i kind of like putting myself in those situations i love that yeah i think it's just like um because i feel like when you when you have a part of your personality to Mm -hmm. uh to be you know kind of forward with your thoughts to people Mm -hmm. that's not as scary of a situation to you because i agree and i i and for me i just i mean i come from it from a place of wanting to learn Mm-hmm. So I think the people, you know, kind of like uh, I, I get I get good results when mm-hmm. I meet new people from different places that aren't like me because I might not think the same way as them. Yeah. But they can tell that I'm just curious. I'm not trying to tell them to live their life. No, nah, you always come off as respectful. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's always a, um, that's why it's easy to talk to you. I think. Yeah. I'm just like really curious what people think. And I'm trying to just make sense of it and like why they think differently than me. I'm not yeah. I'm not just I just don't want I don't want them to try to change me and I don't want to change them. I just want to Word. know. I so. would say um like the we're going to discuss a couple of things but um outside of we're definitely going to get into music cuz music is a major part. But when it comes to growing up in like pretty much middle America, that's that small town or whatnot and what made you go out to the big city? Like did you start off in Chicago mm. before you moved to Seattle? Uh yeah. yeah yeah I went to college at a place called Columbia College yes um, I know about it yes you know about Columbia yep oh yep. cool yeah it's yeah. it's uh, more known for uh, communications and film I think mm-hmm. they have a branch in L A yeah uh, as well but I went there for uh, music um and that that was basically I mean I, I grew up in a in a family that was very music oriented mm-hmm. my parents um I always say they were touring musicians they toured churches and like, uh, yeah. and like re- Christian retreats and like dragged us all around. So wow, yeah. at the time I didn't really think of it that way, but like looking back as an adult, I'm like, yeah, that was basically the exact same lifestyle that, yeah. that any musician lives. And like, you know, they just had their, their separate passion that didn't have a lot yeah. to do with me. So gotcha. um, music was always a part of my life and there, there's just really not many opportunities where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, so we would always have to go to the city anyways mm-hmm. to see any bands we liked or to do anything music oriented. I mean, there was some, there was some cool, like, uh, I remember seeing some theatrical productions at like the college 
couple miles away and whatnot. Um, enough mm-hmm. to get keep you interested, but if you yeah. actually wanted to pursue that, you had to leave. Okay, yeah. Um, and then because of the exposure to all the Chicago people in my my town, I was able. I wasn't afraid to do that. So mm-hmm. it was. It seemed like a natural progression to dope, move man. to Chicago. That's dope. All right, yeah. I love Chicago because it just. I've always been in love with the vibe of Chicago, and it was the only thing that that forced me to. I tell people I was born and raised in New Orleans, but Chicago kind of made me a man mm. since an adult because I went out there. It does make you, yeah. It doesn't make you a grown up. <laughs> it's a it's a hard city. It's a hard city, and you don't feel like you have a safety net. And so when I went out there, and granted, I was so far away from my family, mm-hmm. you know, but it was a thing where I went out there and like there was little to no sympathy. Like, so you had to be accountable for your actions and a thing like that. As liberal as it, as liberal as it is, because uh, it's very liberal in Chicago, but it was more so like, hey, get this shit on your own. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's no excuse for your fuck-ups. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember I tried to call and work because it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, man, if you don't get into this bitch. And so I was like, all right. And that was one of the first lessons I learned. Like, no one gives a shit about your personal opinion and issues. Yeah. Not not when there's a bigger job to be done, you know? I can see that, yeah. Yeah, so... I never thought of it that way, but yeah. yeah. So it was like, it was awesome, and I learned so much, man. I, Chicago helped me perfect the hustle, you know? Like, the the work that you have to put in to be successful. You cannot be lazy and call yourself successful in Chicago. Because Chicago's big, you know? Yeah, I think all those big cities... I've always yeah. assumed that... Mm-hmm. You know, just those big cities are all like that. Very much so. You know, Chicago's Chicago's bred different. I feel like it's bred different. Um, what made you? I know that you got into. You were always into music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, were you in? What were? Well, first things first. What were some of your inspirations? Um, growing. I know that your family grew up in a lot of church, but what outside of the the church realm? What what music inspired you? Uh, definitely classical music. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I was forced to listen to a lot of Christian music. Yeah. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know what's out there. So you're just like, oh, this is what music is. So yeah. I did, that definitely was a huge part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. But um, luckily <clears throat> for me, because, uh, you know, I ended up not really liking that I maybe you don't know this but I ended up not really liking that type of music so that could have yeah. definitely pushed me away but I was also as a child exposed a lot to a lot of classical music Word. and that became like the big um kind of driving force in my in my uh progression into music as as you know more and more a part of my my life and my identity so uh I I played my first well, I remember writing songs at a very young age and just plunking around on the instruments lying around the house. But the first instrument I ever took seriously was was piano, and mm-hmm. um, I I felt like I did pretty good at that, and I oh. like was able to like really have those moments that those you know those kind of like uh, moments that really get you hooked mm-hmm. uh, by playing like people that I had listened to yeah. like Mozart and whatnot, and like actually being able to perform those myself. And being like, I can do this. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was that was the big thing is classical music when I was really little. Nice. Um, when you started doing your, you would say you started playing um, more independently. In college, did you feel more comfortable moving to a different city and kind of spreading your wings in that sense? 
Absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> no, I did not have that experience in Chicago at all. Okay. Um, I I I have to admit, like you were talking about how difficult it is there. I was definitely the person who would go home every single weekend. Yeah. Just to like escape the yeah, the yeah. the stress of that city. Stressful I was so yeah. stressed out living yeah. there. And like like I said, I, I felt comfortable moving there, mm-hmm. but it was a huge culture shock. Oh, um yeah. And I mean, it is a very concrete city mm-hmm. and they squeeze, you know, it's a very old city and it's a, and as we all know, it's a very segregated city. Very. So there's a ton yeah. of tension that way mm-hmm. as well. And like, I just had, I just, yeah. you know, chickened out. I had to go home every, almost yeah. every single weekend. It's so, so game games in New York there, like games in New York there. Cause it's, I, I found that like, I didn't know there were that many types of white people. So like, uh, there was like a Polish neighborhood, Greek neighborhood. You had um the Italian neighborhood, all these different spots, and then you had separated black neighborhoods. Like you had the South Side, West Side. Yeah, every. I I mean, I've never lived in another city that big, but definitely my experience in Chicago was any way you could possibly segregate people, they figured out a way to do it. Exactly, and that's how I felt. I was like, oh my god, what in the Mario world is going on here? (laughs) This is fucking crazy. So. Yeah, that was that was a big thing. It, it eventually got too cold and too expensive for me to enjoy that city. You're like, who <laughs> who am I? Exactly. Yeah. I was I, like, and where do I belong? So I guess that kind of plays into my musical experience there, which mm-hmm. was I, I I definitely found some teachers at the school who really inspired me and helped me grow. But That's as awesome. far as like spreading my wings as an artist and mm-hmm. like performing publicly and whatnot, like I had a very hard time figuring out who I was and. Yeah. And feeling confident to share that. Yeah. Was it always in the plans to... You're in a group called um, Electric No-No. Mm-hmm. Um, beforehand, it was the Jesus Rehab. Um, before the name change. Mm-hmm. Um, and the group consists of yourself and your brother, Dom. Mm-hmm. Um, was it always the plan to, to work with your brother? Oh, no. no. Not at all, no. How, how did they come about? Uh, well, Dom and I... I mean, he's seven years younger than me, so okay. I, I would. I, I was not very nice to him for most of, <laughs> most of growing up. As far Join as the club, man, I'm the oldest, so yeah, I get it. yeah. Well, like it just felt, you know. I remember feeling a lot growing up, like he was just copying a lot of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And as you know, as the oldest, yeah, when you're the older sibling. You just what that basically boils down to is you're just watching that person make all the mistakes that you made, and that's really annoying. Yeah, so then you just take it out on them. You take that frustration out on them. Yeah, and it's because it's why are you biting my style? Like, or just all the things like you're getting me in trouble. You know, like mom told me something, and I remember I used to get in trouble because of my little brothers because I had to watch over them. Oh, and I just didn't want that responsibility at (laughs) at thirteen. You know what I'm saying? So. It was a lot, man. It was a lot. So, all right. So, you guys, like, so how did you guys end up mending the fences and be like, hey, we should play together? Um, well, Dom, Dom was the exact opposite of me. He was just always, like, so open-hearted about it and just mm-hmm. wanting to help in every way, luckily for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I, I moved here first to Seattle, and I was working on a project for uh, the Jesus Rehab, Mm-hmm. And uh, it was something that I was very serious about, and like I was like, I'm going to make an album that really shows, you know, everything that I can do. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the other people involved in it didn't necessarily feel as strongly about it as I did. And they were just, uh, I remember it being very difficult to um, to get them to put in the effort that I was I was wanting on the, on the record. And uh, mm-hmm. I just lost patience. And uh, it just so happened at that time um, that I was searching for someone else to play the drums on the record. Uh, Dominic had moved here because uh, uh, he was working for uh, an AmeriCorps program okay. called EarthCorps yeah. in Seattle. And it, so he was living here for a year. He took a break off of college. And I was like, you play drums. I need a drummer. And I know that I can boss you around and make you do exactly yeah, what I want. I mean, just, man, you know, nothing like it. Yep. And like, <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody else would have responded very well to... Um, Maybe that situation. Your demands. Yes. Because I, because like I said, this was like something I had a very clear vision of what I yeah. wanted, but he was completely down for it. And then after that happened, you know, um, it was like, well, you know, you, you know, it worked out. Yeah. So let's, let's keep playing. And then he went back to college, ended up moving here. So yeah. he just decided, uh, you know, that it, we can make it work. Awesome, man. It's, he's a dope ass drummer. Yeah, he really is. He's a dope Asian. Like, you guys have a. Good, we really lucked out. Yeah, I think you guys are definitely. Um, you ever heard of the Clips? No. Oh, the Clips is this dope rap group. They're brothers, but they're the Clips are no more. Mm. But they're like because one of them, their lives changed. Like he found Jesus and oh, okay. stopped it, and also got into some trouble with drugs. But like, <laughs> um, so they Jesus stopped. and drugs. Um, <laughs> when you when you are being investigated by the FBI, you might want to find Jesus. Oh, so, gotcha. So like, <laughs> okay, the drugs came first, and then yeah, yeah exactly, okay. exactly. Like you know, hey, you know, uh, that's one of the reasons why. So, but his, his brother Pusha T, who's another famous rapper, and they got that. And um, not to say that you guys are anything like the Clips, but as far as like two brothers, because they're brothers, and two brothers who have great chemistry on stage like and, and things like that I, it reminds me of that you know mm. what i'm saying to come from that type of musical family um i think that's that the translate. one i think that's the one thing that probably is consistent mm-hmm. um whether they you 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 see it or not that's probably the thing that's consistent with um with siblings playing together it's yeah. just like that's our one thing that that we have that is hard to replicate in a different situation is just yeah. that the chemistry while you play together because you know that person's entire history. Yes. And they know your entire history. So because of that, it's like you don't think about any of that when you're playing. You just think you can be completely present. Yep. But when you don't know somebody's like history and and you yeah. don't know the ins and outs of their personality, for mm-hmm. some reason that creeps in and that like kind of... you makes it so when you're playing with them, you're not both completely present. Yeah. Um, right. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but that is something yeah. that's different. I would say it's a bonus. I think that's a, that's a plus. Um, we're playing with somebody like, imagine playing, you know, he knows you, you know him. So I think that makes that synergy like just amazing, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you both are doing, if you're doing something that people, that the person listening to you likes, mm-hmm. then it's a plus. But if you're doing something that they don't like, then it's yeah, not it's a like, plus yeah. because it's very intense. You know what I mean? Gotcha. It's um, like all in almost. It's like, there's no, yeah, there's, there's no diluting what you're doing. It's just very, you know, thick and like, well, they are like really going for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, when was you guys 
first album? Uh, well, that one that I mentioned, that was in 2010. Okay. Um, but our, there was some politics that went on, and we became a two-piece mm. and released our first album as a two-piece in 2012. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, so we've been making records since then. Okay, good. Good. How was that um that first album process? That at least as a duo as you are now. Oh, that was a blast. That was amazing. Yeah, that was definitely a special yeah. time. Excellent. Man. Yeah. Um, did you guys you guys where did you guys record? In Seattle? We recorded at London Bridge Studio, okay. which is um a place that we had known already about uh, mm-hmm. in Chicago when we were growing up because a lot of our uh favorite bands growing up recorded there like Pearl Jam Shit, and I've Blind Melon and, and yeah. bands like that. Yeah. Um and so that that just the mystique of that place like mm-hmm. was really cool. And we That's worked dope. worked with a good a friend of ours, this guy named David Miner, and mm-hmm. he was kinda into he was really into the, you know, kind of the history of the place as well. So nice. We had this really cool environment. We just did it all in two days, but it was like super intense, twelve hour days. And um it just like turned out exactly like we were hoping. So that's awesome, man. Um, you mentioned David Miner. He lives out here. Yeah, he lives in Shoreland. In Shoreland, Shoreland okay, Washington. yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I know that name. Yeah, I know the name. All right, cool. So you, did he come out here with you guys? No, we just no. met him out here. He went to one of our shows and said he wanted to work with us. That's dope. That's dope as hell, man. Um, what brought you to Seattle? Um, well, I mentioned my experience in Chicago mm-hmm. and having it like really slowly you know beat me down yeah yes. so when that experience was over college uh was over i was definitely searching emotionally for some place that could um be a new start or whatnot mm-hmm. and uh, it really had nothing to do with music mm-hmm. i had a friend who uh was living in bellevue washington who i had grown up with mm-hmm. um and that was really all it was i i had i'd come out here and visited him and my brothers and i had taken a couple road trips out here, so we knew that it was a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, but it was just like an escape from a really heavy situation. So, Got you. Um, and like I said, I, I really enjoyed the idea that it would be a new, brand new culture and like, mm-hmm. you know, growing that way. Yeah, I, I would say I had the same thing. It was an opportunity for a fresh start. And yeah. I wasn't happy with my current situation. So I was like, let me move. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's pretty dope. Um let's get into before we get into um all the things. I want to know about like down the line the switch. Cuz you you would go from the Jesus Rehab to Electric Nono. Mhm. That's the name of the group Electric Nono as it is currently. Yeah. What was the reason for that change? Um it I wish it was a more interesting yeah. story than what it than what it is, but um well maybe I don't know. I uh it that name, the Jesus Rehab, mm-hmm. is like really stirs emotions and, and whatnot. Yeah. And like when I first n- named the band that, mm-hmm. uh I thought it was funny at where I was in my life and I yeah. like really liked the idea that it would bring about conversations that mm-hmm. I could then tell people how I felt. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people were confused with what it meant. So that was also constantly making it a talking point. Honestly, I, I felt like it was just 
a fun trolling thing. Yeah. You know, like almost like, hey, let me let me give you a little kick and a nudge. You know? Yeah, it yeah. was but I, I think some people so some people either thought I was like saying that uh you should be rehabbed with Jesus mm-hmm. and some people thought it meant that you should be rehabbed from Jesus. Mm. Um so I was constantly having to have that conversation. It's interesting. And I for me, I mean it was obviously a decision that uh, my brother Dom and I both made because mm-hmm. we were both in that band at that time. For me, it was just like, I'm not this person anymore. I'm yeah. so sick of talking about this. Yeah. I want to talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, and I, um, we just, we just said, you know, whatever happens, happens, you know, it's not probably a good idea to, mm-hmm. to, to be in a project for five or six years and make connections and, you know, get, a little bit known with that project and then completely erase it. But yeah, I think we were both like, whatever happens, happens. We're just going to gotcha. change this because we were just so sick of dealing with. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I can see that. I could, as a person like you travel, you meet so many people. And if everybody's asking you around like the same question. And you're just not that person. You're not that yeah. confrontational person anymore. Yeah. You just don't want to like, yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it's not. And it's, you know, of course, Jesus is always a sensitive subject. It is. Like, people love or hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think, I, but I, I really, I think there was a time in my life where I really was excited about the fact that it is a sensitive subject and mm-hmm. I was really ready and had the energy to deal with that. But yeah, it's just like, I didn't look into the future. Yeah. What do my you, futures. <laughs> I was going to say, what do you think brought upon that piece? Because it seems like it's a, it's a level of, um, I would say you are more at peace. Would you say you're more at peace now than you were like years ago? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that everybody experiences this, but you know, it's just like when you, when you go from like your late teens, early twenties, and then you slowly get into adulthood, Mm -hmm. you just, the thumb of, of the things that were forced upon you as a kid become less and less important. Absolutely. And you start like, not wanting to be angry all the time. You want <laughs> yeah. to start understanding why people said things and you start realizing that the people who, you know, kind of like inflict, you know, uh, force their opinions on you weren't doing necessarily it for the reason you thought they were doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I learned that during the process of that, um, knowledge is finding out the why or at least understanding the why uh, helps out a lot. I remember getting angry with things. And then if you have a universal understanding of something, like, oh, well, that's why they would be that way. Like, I I, I found out, like, um, hurt. Dealing with people who are hurt. Yeah. Um, I think that has been the biggest lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Once I understood that hurt is the, uh, that anger is the bodyguard of hurt, then that helped me deal with a lot of people differently. Totally. Because it, it lets you go, oh, well, this person is obviously feeling something that's personal to them, you know? And, and also it puts me in check because I could be angry about something and I'll be like, why are you really angry though? You know, like it, it dig deep into myself and go, no, really I'm hurt about something. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows you to address things from a more empathetic standpoint. You know, I, I learned to do that and that's definitely helped out with anger over the years. Yeah. And then I, and then when you when you come to that realization, mm-hmm. you don't want to go back. No. So you have, you know, you have these things like that decision to name my band that mm-hmm. that's like 
dragging you back into that and you're like i i gotta get rid of that or else i'm never gonna be able to transcend it you know yeah get rid of that that bad like kind of because that was just like bringing all that energy back onto Mm. me so yeah i think that's a great way to put it that's actually really good man so why electric don't know well uh so we wanted a name that Definitely didn't do what the other name was doing, mm-hmm. but we still wanted a name that kind of like um, ask people what the fuck is going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, got you know, got people's imaginations going in the same way. And yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I don't. You never know if, if you're, you know, the best intentions and whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's this um, uh, picture, and now. I'm on the spot. Of course, I can't remember uh, his name. Um, I feel like it's Doc. Doc, I can put Doc. Uh, well, there, there's a pitcher who has this famous uh, documentary. Maybe it's a documentary. His name's not Doc. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, uh, we're big baseball fans. And he, mm-hmm. in the 70s, um, just like mo- a lot of people at that time, was taking performance-enhancing drugs okay. to improve their performance. And, um, I mean, yeah. Let me see <laughs> uh, if I can get his name here. Shout out to the, the steroid era. One of the best home run eras ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, and some people have some feelings about that. But, uh, you know, with the steroid era, I think that that was just the culmination of that whole attitude i think they finally just oh okay doc ellis is who i'm talking doc about. ellis okay yeah that's right okay yes all right yes so yeah he's famous now um yeah. but uh his performance enhancing drug was i believe quaaludes and then he took lsd oh, uh, shit. and whatnot but i don't think <laughs> i don't think he, he purposefully took lsd to perform yeah. during the game oh, that was just for the coaching but <laughs> yeah. he got he got into a situation where he didn't know he was going to have to pitch and uh, he, so he, 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 you know, dropped uh, some acid the night before. And then he was told that morning that he had to pitch. And um, apparently, I wouldn't know this, but acid lasts for a long time. That's what I'm told. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I heard, allegedly. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he was like still, you know, still feeling the effects. Yeah. And he had to pitch, and he ended up throwing one of the best games of his life. He threw a no-hitter. So he became this myth. You know, this became a myth that they eventually, last year, I believe, made a doc or a couple years ago, made a documentary yeah. of. That's, and That's awesome. Whatever your feelings are about, you know, uh, LSD or baseball or whatnot, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it because it's very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, it has these really beautiful illustrations and whatnot. So we were very inspired mm-hmm. by his story. As, as, you know, just like a super, like a, a superhuman who was able to do something that you know would seem be seemingly impossible. Yeah. Um. And we were we That's wanted cool. to capture that energy in our band. Nice. Um. Not nice. not necessarily controversial, but just celebrate his achievement. Absolutely. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's and kind of cool. call all the you know the people who maybe thought of it that way. Yeah. Uh, as well to come and you know celebrate with us while we're on stage. So that's yeah. that's the energy we were trying to grab with that name. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Electric No No is an LSD band. <laughs> Lakeshore Drive. So no way, to, way, to sum up, way to sum up everything I just said in the last seven minutes. <laughs> 
So you're gonna edit out everything I just said. Everything. Just, and like, just be like, yeah, LSD. Like edit it out. Hey, yeah. So tell me about your band. We were at LSD. Uh, so, like, my, so my name is gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be describing that. You're gonna like have my voice go into the background, and you're gonna come on into the podcast and say what he, what he's trying to say is electric no no is an LSD band. And he goes on for the next 10 minutes, <laughs> like beating around the bush. <laughs> It'd be like, and that's how we have a band. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jared. <laughs> so, yeah. so, nah. yeah. But that's, I, I like that though. I like the fact, see that, see that has a cool, that has a cool origin. And also, it also like speaks to you guys like electrifying and quirkiness, really. Like, all right. So one of the things that I noticed when you guys got on stage is like, you guys did the. the I love. I, I love when people are well dressed, mm. in general, because I'm a southerner, and that's why I do the gentleman leisure thing. Then you throw on the wings. What the fuck is up with the wings? Uh, well, the the truth about the wings is we played a show on on Halloween once, and I wore the wings just yeah. for fun. Yeah. And then a, a guy came up to me, this guy named Jeremiah, and he said, "You should do that every show." Yeah. And I think I'm like you, which is. When I grew up, maybe I don't know why Southerners like yeah. to, to do that, but it, mm-hmm. dressing up meant that's something you did when uh, for occasions. Yeah. Like anything outside of laying around your house and watching TV, mm-hmm. you would dress up for. And that yeah. meant that, you know, it's game time exactly. or whatever. It's game time. It's a, um, for me, I, I feel like it's a mental shift too. The, yeah. yeah. So, so I, the reason I kept doing it mm-hmm. was a little bit because he, he suggested that, but also mm-hmm. because. It was like a mental, it's a mental shift for me. And like, I just felt like if I got on stage, um, I couldn't hide behind anything when I wore, if I wore some like little kid wings uh, or whatever, you know, because I think it would, I would feel like every, I I feel when I do that, everybody's like, what, you know, kind of like, what the heck? Yeah. Like this guy better do something because he just got, you know, he got our attention to not do something. And I, I like, I like that. I like putting myself mm-hmm. in that position because um, yeah. it made me feel like I could. It pushes you out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'm put. I'm forcing myself to to to, to perform. Mm. You know, as opposed to dialing it in. That's dope. That's a dope way of putting it. So it's just like a mental shift, yeah. kind of thing. So, like with um with you performing in Seattle, obviously Seattle is a highly musical city. Uh, that has a very rich history behind it, at least the people who rep Seattle. And Tacoma. And, and Tacoma, area, yeah. yeah, Tacoma and everything. Um, what do you think about the current state of the city as far as the scene the scene goes? Because I always felt like you, it's, at least on the local end, you guys were, I won't say the centerpiece fully, but you guys are heavily in the scene. Like You guys are heavily in the scene. There are a lot of bands that fuck with y'all like that are friends with you guys, you mm. know, and you know, you guys stay like you, you, you stay working. Like your family stays working for the most part. Cause I see you then I see like, Oh, there's a, there's a Warren Dune show. There's an electric, <laughs> there's an electric no, no show. There's a Julia Massey show. Like these things. And I'm like, these motherfuckers, are, they always doing it. And then there's so many, you, you guys are always respected by so many other groups as well. Well, yeah. It means a lot, a lot to hear that. Yeah, um, that's what you, I think. That's what we all want. Yeah, like, we do. We do. Uh, so that's not. That's nice of you to say that. I um, I I think that it's all 
relative, you know. Mm-hmm. Your, I mean, as far as your question goes about what I think about, yeah, I was going to say, what do you Seattle? think? Yeah, the state of the Seattle scene. Do you think that it's, um, you've been have you've been around the, have you were you around the music scene in Chicago? Uh, well, going to to music school, I I, yeah. I I like to say yes. I think that city is so huge that there was probably a lot of things going on that I had no idea. Oh, absolutely, was going on. But I, I I can I can say with some confidence that the way that the music in infrastructure is built there for the local musicians is mm-hmm. very different than it is here. Yeah, um, and that might just be because of the size. Mm. Uh, but I was, uh, as I mentioned before, I I did not feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. like expressing myself in Chicago, like yeah. whatever, whatever you want to think about how it's set up there. Mm-hmm. It was not a good system for me. Gotcha. Um, and then growing up in, in that small town mm-hmm. um, where there weren't a lot of options, um, you know, I was obviously drawn to a bigger city. Yeah. So that was not a great scene for me. But then when I moved to Seattle um, and met, some very influential people in my life. My, mm-hmm. my wife, Julia Massey yeah. being one of them yeah. and, and kind of getting a, a, a shift in perspective on how to look at a music scene and kind of like how to look at a music career in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because this is one of the greatest, you know, live music Absolutely. scenes in the world, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, like all of that coming together at that very influential time in my life. Mm. Um, I I just like have so much like energy to be a part of this scene. Yeah, it's like um, the bottle, really. So I don't know what everybody thinks about mm-hmm. about our scene now. And like, uh, were you were you? I don't know if you're specifically mentioning, you know, with the the change in like the economy and whatnot, and how that's affected things, or or I don't know if that's what you meant. But there has been a lot of shifts because of that, but I am so forgiving of everything with this scene because it Mm -hmm. has always just meant so much to me. And for me personally, it's been so much uh, uh, of a better situation Mm -hmm. uh, for me to express myself than any other one that I I've lived in. So yeah, that's how I feel about it. Well, yeah, I, I feel like this city when I, when I first moved out here, because I was actively in the, I was actively in the scene, or at least in, observant of the scene in Chicago, in Dallas, in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. What I figured, the most collaborative to me is always New Orleans, it seems. But um, because there's so many like real musical cities. Um, with Seattle, it's a little bit different because, you know, it's more tech-driven city. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So you have, and then you know, if you get to know it, you realize how great the music scene is. Um, the live is where Seattle shines. I always think live music is where Seattle really shines as, as far as that. You, it becomes like a melting pot of just creativity. Um, but on the same token, I think that everybody's pretty friendly. And, and I remember going to places and going meet different musicians in other cities, becoming the new guy in town. And a lot of people were standoffish before. And with here, I felt that people were a little bit more, like, welcoming. Like, people still do their thing. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, they don't mind if you do yours. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, I found that people are a little bit more helpful out here. And I, I just, I'm, I'm amazed by that. Because people aren't really that nice. In general, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, you know how artists get in their own head. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're all, we're all sometimes a bunch of arrogant fucks. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, so it's really cool when you meet somebody and they're not completely in their head. You know what I'm saying? They're like, they have a like, yo, man, you doing music? That's dope. I'm doing music too. Like, check out my shit. Yo, if, you, if you're going to do something, you go here. Like, I, I found that people were so helpful out here. And I was like, maybe this is sad, but I was like, that's so different than what I'm used to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it was really Art, cool. Yeah, and, and accepting. Exactly. And that's, that's what... Accepting. Accepting of, like, experimentation, mm-hmm. like, in, in your music and, and uh, you know... Every every everything mm-hmm. like that 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 was the big the big cultural shift for me that allowed me to feel like I could you know kind of make the art that I wanted to is just that I didn't feel like every note that I played and every mm-hmm. word that I said had to be like this monumental yeah. um, life changing experience mm-hmm. for you know and that that was very freeing for me. And that's not taking away anything from the art that does come out of here because I think some of it does achieve that. Yeah. But just not having that pressure that that not having any pressure other than just just to express yourself, mm-hmm. I think opens the door to grow a kind of growth in in art okay. that you can't get when you're just surrounded by critics. Mm. You know, and there I'm so when somebody is critiquing every single thing you do from the second you learn an instrument <laughs> until like the second you put out your very last album, yeah, that there's a creative energy that is not allowed to be freed. And like for me, mm. that, that just didn't work until I. And so when I moved here, yeah, I about to say yeah, I felt like that that everybody is very mm-hmm. accepting and respectful of someone trying something new yeah. and just just getting in touch with with who, what their voice is. Mm. Um, and I've just heard musicians from here say the exact same thing over and over again. So I think everybody experiences that here. Okay. Um, and that, that's why, I, that's just such a great place to make art. Like I, I just always will respect yeah. that no matter, as long as I can stay here, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess the more expensive everything gets and all that stuff, yeah, the, it's, it's the more you have to worry about how to make money doing that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's why I live in Tacoma. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean that good for Tacoma because like, you get a lot. You guys have a lot of great artists, including yourself, living here. Oh, uh, thank you, man. Thank you. And you know what? It's it's starting to get a little expensive here too because what what people are doing is they're moving out here, and yeah. then so it starts to spread a little bit. Yeah. Um, speaking of moving, I want to shift to like the mind frame you mentioned earlier that when you moved out here it was like a, a one eighty mm-hmm. sense, and you grew up you grew up in a pretty conservative family. Yeah. What was it like? Um, I mean, or how is it rather coming back home, going back home? Like, I know one of the things that was interesting for me was leaving, leaving New Orleans and as diverse as New Orleans is like seeing the world is always different. I tell everybody leave, leave. And and if you want to come back home is always there, but leave, leave so you can experience things, you know what I'm saying? And come back, tell the other people. But I noticed that sometimes it's like a it's a culture shift, um, and it, sometimes it can be hard coming back home and dealing with family and friends and things like that. It ways of thought. What has been the most challenging uh, situation uh, when it comes to going back home with you? Um. Well, it it's interesting that that you say that you feel that way when you go back to new orleans i mean i can definitely see how the cultures are different but Mm -hmm. 
I just assumed because I'm from a small town yeah. that it was different for people who are from yeah. big cities. But well, we're it's still, interesting to yeah, we're still black Southern Christians. Yeah, yeah. And so they that comes with its own level of judgment. You yeah, know? yeah. And if, especially if you do things a little differently. You know, I, I did things a little differently and I decided to do it could be something as simple as I know my family looked at me weird when I said I'm going to therapy. Mm. And they were just like, uh, I mean, you got Jesus. Why do you need therapy? I'm like, well, uh, gotcha. you know, <laughs> so, you know, things like that. So even social, social things as um, I know I've my friends and I were very had very different views on um, LGBTQ community. You know, I was like, yo, everybody should have rights. And they're like, but and I'm like, really? You know, so. And it's something that I didn't realize was such a thing until, like, you know, you leave and you see the world. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And you get to know people. And I knew this before I left, but I think I just think, in general, your mind is more open when you meet people who are different from you. And you get to understand things, whether I agree with certain people or not. Because there are certain people I meet, I'm like, I don't agree with that shit. But you know what? You deserve your voice. It's fine. Right? And then, um, but I'll, sometimes when I go home, it's sort of like this, like, oh, shit, like, yikes. Like, you guys are a little bit too conservative for my liking. It's how, it's how I get that mixture of friends on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I post something, and I have a difference of opinions, and I'm like, yeah, these people are from home. These people are from travels. You yeah. know? So you can definitely tell. So do you run into that issue every now and then where you, you come home, and it's like, they're like, why do you think that? Or you realize something where it's like, oh, God, that's not how I used to be. Um, well, well, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, but what I what my mind immediately went to is when you were talking about um, uh, understanding and, mm-hmm. and the power of understanding someone as opposed to to like immediately taking what they say mm-hmm. personally and just assuming they're coming from the same place that you would be if you were to say that. Yeah, like I think that is the most. A uh, powerful thing that going somewhere else that's not like mm-hmm. where you've been uh, has, and it it's a really interesting uh, thing about the human condition is that nothing that came before can be erased. Mm-hmm. It's just you you you're adding to the flavor of mm-hmm. of what your personality is. Yeah. So so when I go home, I see I see myself. Mm-hmm. In like a a former, oh, absolutely kind of like I I mean that I, I I don't I don't have the same feeling going back home that I did when I first came to Seattle, mm-hmm. you know because part of that is still in me, yeah. Um, and I understand it and I've lived it and I know a lot of the reason that those people have come to the conclusions that mm-hmm. they've come to, and I have you know I have empathy and sympathy and sometimes agree you know, with where they're coming from. Gotcha. Um, but I'd see it in a different, from a different, uh, with a different lens on, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, I can see why people disagree with you too now. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Um, and I, I think that the position that I take is I just try to give the people, because a lot of them are people I love. Yeah. I tried to give them uh, a little bit of, uh, the flavor of the people that they that they d- 
don't necessarily like the opinion of mm-hmm. from a, the perspective of someone that I'm hoping that they still like. Gotcha. You know, because I feel like there's if there's any chance that someone's mind could be, you know, shifted or just grow a little bit, mm-hmm. it, it usually is a lot more effective when it comes from someone who you don't think is an enemy. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I go home, I'm not necessarily completely turned off. Now, with that said, you know, there's a time limit. Yeah, but there's always a time limit. Mine is three days. (laughs) Three days is always a safe one. I don't know if that's my limit, but that's always a safe one. I give myself that time before it stops. Yes. Yeah, then you start you need to start becoming your older you know, yeah. your former self a little bit either, more than you're comfortable with. Yeah, more than I'm comfortable with either that, like I, I have to or I get up really annoyed with my family. Yeah. You know, I'm just like I, I realize why I moved. I can I will never go back. You know what I'm saying? So totally. that's how yeah. I feel. Like I love 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 the fam. I'm yeah, and I feel like they yet. feel the same way. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, yeah, time for you to go home. Yeah, it's time for you to go home. <laughs> but good luck. You know? I love you. <laughs> What you about to get into? Here's a sack lunch. For exactly. The night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So that that's how I feel. I mean, I that's what most of my experiences have been like. I yeah. rarely have like seen someone that I used to be friends with or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, whoa, you need, yeah, you need to like. Change. I run into it every now and then because we have more. Like I, I get into more polarizing arguments because it's mostly about race. So mm-hmm. like, you know, there's there's certain things that are very black and white for me. On certain moments, and I get, I get the complexities of how like certain things are, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, I can't really, like I I tell people, um, I remember discussing Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. with somebody right out here, which which is interesting because out here you wouldn't, I didn't expect when I moved out here, I thought this was like a really big land for you know the understanding and liberalism, like everything is all open, but people really. it's also largely white and people don't really meet too many black people out here, much less they'll meet them, but it's not like a, let me get to know this person. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I found that I remember after the election, hugging so many fucking white people, but like it was just a situation where like expressing things and they were like, so many people thought that they were wronged by the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and, it was sort of like, oh, y'all just late to the party, man. America been doing this shit, you know? But but not only that, it I like what I liked about it is that it opened up the conversation to talk to other people about their lives. I feel like everybody should at least talk to each other, whether you disagree or not. Talk to the person who voted for Trump who is who's vastly different from you on certain things. Because I am never above a conversation. Even if you like hate my guts. You know what I'm saying? I've never because I think the the cure for all like for hatred and anger and things like that is understanding. If I could talk to you and I could get it, it still may be fuck you. But, you know, I understand. I won't be angry about it because I understand. I understand mm-hmm. where this person is coming from. I think that we all are, a lot of people are decent. Not everybody, but a lot of people are decent in the sense that we are, everybody has their moral code, you know? And I, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of things just take a conversation. You know, um, so I and that being said, like, you know, the, the top thing that came in with like the Black Lives Matter thing and there was a march and it was like, you going to the march? I was like, no, I know I matter, but you should go because you're <laughs> white. And so when people see the white people seeing Black Lives Matter, that tells people, you know, it's OK, because it's already assumed that black people think that they matter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
But I think it's always great to. It, that's why I think as a as a straight male, I think it's important to speak on LGBTQ rights because people need to see that hey, it's okay. This person thinks it's okay, and it's not affecting me. You know, it's not affecting me in a negative way. In other words, I, I always thought that was important. Yeah, yeah, that's in, that's yeah. interesting. I haven't heard anybody put it that way before. Yeah. So that's that's usually how I do it. Um, let's get on to like, let me see. You got the current situation right now with the band, which is Warren Dudes, and essentially, it's Warren Dunes, and it's it's, it's essentially like almost like it's it's weird, but it's a family band, but it doesn't like. It's not family music. Um, so like, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's a family band, and it's great. First things first, like, what did y'all get the name Warren Dunes from? Uh, well, that goes that goes back to the town I grew up in, New Buffalo. About mm-hmm. ten miles from there is um, this really beautiful state park called Warren Dunes State Park. Mm-hmm. And for both me and my brother Dom, who's the drummer in that band as well as an electric no-no, mm-hmm. um, that was just like. Uh, a place that we would go and escape nice. um, whatever you need to escape from. It's just, it's really uh, vast, mm-hmm. um, like uh, nature preserve um, that, you know, also has giant dunes and yeah. you can like, it just really gets the imagination going mm-hmm. uh, in the winter. There's just, they're covered, you know, there's a lot of snow in Michigan, so you can, you know, go and take out a sled and just fly through the air, like yeah. down these giant dunes and whatnot. Um, so it's just a really special place, and um, and uh, that that's why we liked it. And Julia is on board with it because uh, I, you you would have to ask her, but I, I I think she just kind of liked this the spiritual aspect uh, of it. You know, mm-hmm. Dunes really makes a lot. You know, the mind go to a place. I'm I'm assuming um, she feels the same way of of just like you know, there's this this kind of uh, stark and mm-hmm. really deserty type of aspect to that. Yeah. But also it ends usually mm-hmm. um, at this, uh, you know, amazing body of water, which is like life giving. And there's just a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of like complexity to like that, that symbolism and whatnot. And I think That's, that, that I kind of tapped into what she was going for with the band too. So she was on board with that. Nice. So currently you have yourself, um, mm-hmm. your brother Dom, and then your wife Julia mm-hmm. are all in um, Warren Dunes. Um, so it's a three piece, which is dope. What do you think is the major difference between Warren Dunes and Electric No No? Style stylistically. Uh, well, we started Warren Dunes. Oh, this is the, uh, actually I can't believe I forgot this. So yeah, the 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 other reason we started the band was uh, we wanted to, Julia and I wanted to to. Ru- start a project where we write together. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were, we were listening to a ton of Harry Belafonte at that time. Yeah. Cause it was one of our son's favorite bands. Yeah. Um, and is it, if anybody has heard his music before, you know, it's, you know, kind of, uh, Caribbean and like, so, yeah. and, uh, you know, just kind of has that Island flavor to it. Mm-hmm. So we liked the idea that Warren Dunes was kind of a be- a beachy type mm-hmm. kind of, uh, name and whatnot, because that's we definitely wanted the new project to be influenced by that because we were just like really digging mm-hmm. what we were hearing um, and his music and, and whatnot. And, and that was kind of a new thing for us at that time. So we, I'm not saying that everything that we do is like only influenced by Harry Belafonte or whatever, mm-hmm, yeah. but 
we definitely think about him every time yeah. uh, we, we write a song and whatnot. So that is different because I did not think about that at all when I yeah. read for Electric No-No. And Julia had not thought about that at all in her former project. Yeah. What I think is interesting, and it's funny that you mentioned it, um, that you guys think about Harry Belafonte and the vibe. Because I, I get the vibe. I also noticed the, the tone of the the tone of your music. Um, some of it's actually a little bit more political, one would say. Mm. Um, and which is much more like Harry, Harry Belafonte as well. Uh, he's a very political ca- character, uh, person. So I think that's pretty dope. Uh, I love the... I've been listening to you guys, of course. I've listened to um, your albums and, and your wife's album, Julia's albums. And then I listened to Warren Dunes from the first, like one of the first collaborations to now. And you guys have evolved. Like when I, li- I went out to your, uh, your album release party uh, recently, I want to say it was like last month. Uh, yeah. When yeah. I listened to last month. And like, I was like, I, did, I purposely don't listen to a lot of shit before it releases because I want to take in the experience, and which I know is kind of like crappy because I, I actually know y'all, <laughs> but like yeah. other than that, I kind of like, I like being a fan. I like knowing people, but I like being a fan. And so I had not, I went into that, that place totally cold. Like I was like, I'm just going to take it for what it is. I know what I heard before, but I'm going to take it for what it is. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised. You guys rock the fuck out. Oh. And I thought that was really dope. The energy was, Energy in the crowd was crazy. Like, I was like, oh, oh, I'm amongst people, like, for real fans. You know, and you had, like, and you guys performed your asses off. Um, And I think that this is, it felt balanced. I think everybody had a chance to shine during your set. And and I really liked that, man. Like, I really like, I like seeing you play guitar. I like seeing um, Dom do his thing. I like seeing Julia do his thing. And it was... It just seemed like a lot of practice went into it, and it started to gel better. You know, I thought that was really good. Really good. Yeah, that that's cool. Yeah, and yeah, like I totally get what you mean about wanting to be a fan. Isn't that the the hardest? Yeah. That's like the hardest thing to do when you actually become a musician yourself is yeah. to remember how to be a fan, and exactly, you like, yeah, you miss that. Yeah, I did, and you miss that. So I listen much, to so, so especially with local artists, especially when you know people. I listen to things, and not saying I listen to it to critique it or whatnot. But you're thinking, how did they make this? How did they do this? Yeah, exactly. how do, that was so cool. I want to add that to my music. You know, exactly. Like, All right. Yeah. I'm going to ask them about this. Things like that. And so I got a chance to listen like blindly and just be a fan and enjoy the music. I bought yeah. the album that night. And I was like, I listened to it on the way home. And I was like, all right, yeah. I, to- I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming. It was so- always great to see you. Oh, man. It was great, man. It was a great, a great experience. Great um, experience. Good people. We had, I know that we had a, a really fun time, so I'm glad other people felt the same way. Yeah, it did. Um, we, we, to answer your question, though, with that, with that, this project, mm-hmm. I think um, if I put my finger on the evolution that I've noticed, it's just that we're all just accepting ourselves mm-hmm. a lot more for what for what we are. Yeah. Like, like I said, we we started the band by kind of trying to tap into, you know, what Harry Belafonte did mm-hmm. and, um, or has done and, and, you know, our other influences. But um, I think that we've all realized that we come at music and from a different place. So it kind of feels like you don't have to try to be anything that you don't want, that you aren't, because mm-hmm. the other person is going to take 
care of those other sides. It's like, you know, Julia is is a fantastic lyricist mm-hmm. and a beautiful singer. Um, and like not having to think about those things, being in yeah. a project where you know somebody else just naturally kind of like has a hand like a handle on that. Yeah, you're free to then, do your thing. Then I don't have to like try to do something that I'm not that doesn't come naturally to me. Mm. And I can just kind of like more be myself. And I think that 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 for me personally, that's what this band has is starting to really offer is is just, you know, this this place where I can just really explore who you know myself and like not yeah. have to try to spend put energy on things that I'm either not interested in or just like have to work really, really hard at to like and, and don't really yeah. <laughs> feel ever feel like I'm like doing a good job at it. Gotcha, man. Oh man, thank you, man. This that's a great breakdown and it's a great, great insight. Um we're I'm I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions before we head out. And this is gonna be my my fun, like kind of rapid fire, maybe serious as shit questions. I don't know. Um, but it, it's more so like a I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a thing with my podcast. All right. So we'll we'll get back to you in a second. All right, hold on. Hey, let me see. All right. I got it. Okay. I got it. I did that so I was like, Joff could Joff could oh get that together. So okay. <laughs> So, oh, it's a little background. So, uh, our friend, we have a mutual friend, of course, Joff. Um, Joff, you you played with Joff a bunch, right? Or he was mainly in Julia's band. Yeah, he did play with the Jesus Rehab a little bit too. When we were, okay. you know, having musicians come in and out. So when we go on tour, he'd play with us. No, dope bass player, man. Really Absolutely. dope. Yeah, really dope. Um, very. Check him out. Yeah, interesting character. Trevor Peach. Trevor Peach. Yeah, the most depressing band of all, one man band of all time. I love, <laughs> I love that project. Trevor Beach is I don't know if that hilarious. says about me, but I love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that shit's great, man. I was like, this is hilariously sad. You know what's funny? Um, he has to mix this, so he's probably going to make this shine the whole time. Yeah. It's just beautiful I think, music. I think hilar- <laughs> hilariously sad would make him so happy. Too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it, though. I love that dude, man. He's, he's dope. Um, and he's mixing this, so that's why I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to have a great time mixing this part. Um. So yeah. So what I what I like to do is I like to ask these general questions to people, and it's just just fun music stuff. Um. First things first. Like, what music are you listening to now? Like, what gets you kind of motivated? Um. As far as like inspiration wise, like, do you listen to any like national artists? And also, what local artists do you fuck with? Um. You didn't prepare me for this one. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I, I, I threw this shit out, son. <laughs> so, so the honest truth is that uh, teaching people guitar, I get exposed most often to what they like to listen to. Oh, nice. So it has been an amazing experience as a songwriter to, to have to learn songs that I normally would have no interest mm-hmm. uh, in learning just on my own volition. So... I listen to a lot of guitar-based music mm-hmm. from uh, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but I also okay. listen to a ton of pop music. And I have enjoyed everything from, you know, Taylor Swift mm-hmm. to, uh, I just, I, I um, shoot, what is the song? Uh, oh, there was a Megan Trainer song called 3 a.m. that I had to learn for my <laughs> nine-year-old student. And like, yes. 
I was just like, you know, when you learn songs that that are 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 in that genre, you're just kind of like don't have a lot of expectations, mm-hmm. but then you you find what people like about them, and it's yeah. really exciting All because right. uh, you know someone who studies who studies like music and composition and whatnot, like it's really I, I get a real kick out of like seeing like one theoretical principle really exploited in the perfect way that will make millions of people like that song. And it's like, I get it. I see that in like the most distilled kind of way it possibly can be presented. And that like is what I really am into at the moment. So like asking me what, what songs that I'm really into. uh, I think that it's hard for me to answer that as a fan, because like we said, Mm -hmm. I'm always struggling with trying to find that energy I used to have to being a fan um, it's tough because I'm constantly thinking about that. But yeah, I, I, I really have, have just like, like simple pop songs mm-hmm. and just songs that I, I, I necessarily wasn't really into as a fan, but mm-hmm. as a songwriter, um, I'm just discovering these like little, little nuggets of information and stuff yeah. from all these types of songs, uh, has so, been really, is what I'm really into at the moment. All right, cool. Um, next question. What is your, um, I remember we talked about this. This is about to be a little left field, but I know that you we mentioned some shit about it. What is your thought on Game of Thrones now that it's all over? Oh man, I've been waiting for you to ask me about this. Yes. This is what I this is what I thought we were gonna talk about for the last no, hour. No, not at all. Okay. So what are your thoughts on Game of Thrones, sir? Like, so, yeah. Okay, so I first of all, I'm kind of new to this culture. Yeah. I, uh, I I unfortunately was never able to play Dungeons and Dragons growing up because of my Christian upbringing and whatnot. I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but that is a game that mm-hmm. people who consider themselves like, you know, uh, church going folks do not really like at all. Oh, yes. Yes. I've they heard. do not consider yes. that something that the they want their children the to devil's do. Devil's Playground. Yes. Um, you know, so I, I, I did, I was able to like get into Lord of the Rings and whatnot. And, you know, there's some aspects of Game of Thrones like that, but this was my first real, like completely like nerding out moment on, on something with people who, who have been in that culture for a real time, a long time. So I absolutely loved every, every moment of it. Gotcha. It was the most alive I've been made to feel from a television experience since I was young, like very young. So I was just, no matter, they couldn't have, they could do no wrong as far Mm. as I'm concerned. I, I thought that the the series was great. I felt like the last season was a little bit of a rush job when it comes to pacing. I'm not mad. What's, what's the common thing is everybody's upset with the last episode. I'm not mad at the last episode. I was upset with the pacing. Like, the pacing left a little bit to be desired. Um, I feel like maybe they, they tried to do too much in the last six episodes? I think so. I think it should have been ten. Oh, it they, they should have done what they did. It just should have been more episodes. It should have been more episodes. I feel like if certain things could have been fleshed out a little bit more, a little bit easier on... Like, a little bit better with character development... I think that'll be cool. Um, so am I? Am yeah. I allowed to ask you questions in this? You are right. definitely allowed I, to ask me questions. Because I want. Because I'm like. Yeah. I have a question for people who I. I Go from what from your Facebook post, I've I've made assumptions that you have kind of been entrenched in this culture for a little bit longer than I have. Only a little bit. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I came in around the third season. 
because my wife was watching it. And okay. so, sadly enough, my first episode I saw was the Red Wedding episode. Oh, okay. So you, and I yeah, was you, like, what the fuck? You just dove in the deep end. <laughs> yeah, I, in the like, deep end. I didn't know what I was watching. Okay. I just came home and I'm like, hey, babe, what you watching? She was like, Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, you're always watching that. And I was like, all right, cool. And we both didn't know what was going on, what was going to happen. So I was like, I'll sit down and watch this episode. I'll catch up and see what it's about later. Because I enjoyed the dialogue. I was like, all right. So I'm asking little questions beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. And so then the red weather happens. And I'm like, well, is the show over now? Because, yeah. like, <laughs> everyone's fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I was like. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was like, did I just see this, this series finale? <laughs> so, yeah. So go ahead with, with your question. It was good. Uh well I I was just wondering like if you only if if you only had six episodes which we we know that that wasn't the case they could have had more if they wanted uh-huh. to but if you if you as as the two uh, founders of the of the show or, or of the mm-hmm. TV show like uh, made that rule you wanted to wrap it up in six episodes mm-hmm. what would you have done differently than what they did um I thought that Daenerys's descent was a little bit too quick on it i think if you just flush out certain things like you don't have to or also um seriously i feel like seriously could have did a little bit more on that um the i felt like we were kind of robbed of um i love the night king bro i really did i love the night king i thought it was going to be something a bit more sinister and I thought he was going to be a bigger player when it came to toward, came towards the end. I would like to know a little bit of backstory about why he wanted to take over, you know? Um, and then, you know, with Arya and the switch, switching faces, what came of that? Why? Mm-hmm. Why is that a thing? You know what I'm saying? So, like, there, everybody seemed to be building up towards this bigger purpose and destiny. And then they was like, oh, we'll just wrap it up. You know? And I felt like, hey, you could have given us a little bit more on the way you did it, you know, um, the deaths, you know, what's funny about, about deaths when it comes to shows, not everybody's going to like them. So I'm fine with, I'm fine with everyone's death because death is one thing that we can't control in theory. So you may not like how certain people died. You may be mad that certain people didn't get what they just deserve. I remember watching the wire and being pissed off that Marlo lives Spoiler alert for everybody. You know what I'm saying? So like, like, I was pissed off. I'm like, so Marlo just stands there? Like, I fucking hated Marlo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I loved, I loved Marlo, but I hated him. I've never seen The Wire, but you're making me care about Marlo. Oh, my God. Watch The Wire. It, the Wire is the best drama I've ever seen in my life. Like That's what I've heard. Yeah, it's yeah. the best drama because it shows how a city lives, how a city is created, and how a city runs. I loved it. And it gives you an insight into the street game, like, legit. And they give you an inside to everything that they 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 visit. They give you a great insider's view. It's like they had an expert for each season, and each season they're all entrenched in each other, but it focuses on a different level. So one one season focuses on the streets is the main thing. The other street focuses on the docks, which is like the streets, but for white people, you know. And so, <laughs> and then another view stroke focuses on the court system, and then there's the school system, which is the most depressing one. And so, and then there's like, you know, just how everybody works as a whole, the political system. So when they have all that, it's a great view. By the time you get there, it's this great picture of the city and how it's ran. And I think they represented it very well. 
I saw my city in it. I saw I saw Chicago in it, mm-hmm. and it it was set out of Baltimore, but it's a reflection of America and how we deal with each other. Uh, so, it, that being the case, they we've invested eight seasons into this, which I always think eight seasons is a bit much anyway. Mm-hmm. But I understand because it's such an epic story, right? And they've done a good job before. They fleshed out so many things, man. You got. The situation with the hound and the giant, you know, all these things, I felt like could have been fleshed out just a little bit more. Like, I'm fine with the ending and the way things ended. I just would have liked a little bit more buildup. That was my thing. Yeah, they really, they really put themselves in a mm-hmm. position when I, I felt like they kind of like s- stopped killing main characters for a little bit. Yeah. And they used to like when they ran out of like, creative ways to tell their story they would just kill them yeah <laughs> so then so like in in episode three where they do the long night yeah like i expected them to kill off more people which would have answered a lot of questions but they didn't do that so i was like man i don't know how they're gonna tell this story exactly because i expected more people to die to be honest with you yeah and i didn't i thought to be honest with you i thought they were the, the night king was gonna make it out no matter how I thought the Night King was going to make it out. Now, it was dope when I saw Arya, like, at him. I was like, that shit's dope. Wasn't expected that one, you know? When she flies yeah, through the air. Exactly. <laughs> she pulls a Jordan with the switch hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I just like how, like, she's coming from, like, 10 feet up in the air, like, yeah. she's jumping out of a tree. I was like, what the, the fuck is yeah. going on? And so, and Bran ain't shit, man. And so, like, Bran's, like, Bran's, Bran's, like, telling Theo, like, if, if Brad could have told Theon to like wait three more minutes, yeah, Arya would have got. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, but, but he's like, <laughs> rest in peace, one, man. <laughs> you did a good job. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> like, and then after he dies, and then what made what made him even more of a piece of shit is that at the end, he was like, "You should be king." He was like, "Why do you think I came out this way?" Oh, so man. you knew the whole fucking time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> And you just been sitting there because I was like, I wonder why Bran sits there and doesn't give a fuck about anything going on around him. Totally. He was like, because I know. I know. And I was like, that's rude. Yeah, it's yeah. Pretty fucking rude, man. Well, I thought, and I thought he only had, like, he could only see the, the past. But yeah. then, like, yeah, when he said that, I was like, can he see the future? I don't know. Yeah. He was like, well, hey. And that's the thing. I was like, he is, I thought he was, I thought it also, I thought it would have been really cool if he was the Night King. Yeah. Well, the, so the Night King, it, it would have been hard to do anything more with him because he didn't talk. Like, how do you yeah. tell all those stories when somebody doesn't talk? Well, I think it would have been something like, this is his destiny the whole time. Like, I, oh, it would yeah, be yeah. it be dope if something like that happened. Like, or we're, we're dealing with something from the future. Yeah, you so know, I mean, maybe they're sense. like, well, if we tell this story now, then we can't do the spinoff. Exactly. You know, yeah. you never know. It like, could have been. What, it could have been a money thing. What money know? is pushing yeah. or whatever? But that, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm too forgiving of what they did. But no, but I they, loved it all. Yeah, I, I enjoyed <laughs> it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I enjoyed it. I think the the kind of rush job puts it not to down a notch for me as far as greatest shows on HBO because mm-hmm. uh, I really do enjoy Game of Thrones, like epic ass stories. Um, I still think The Wire is number one. Yeah, I think The Wire I mean, is number one. Um, I think that's yeah, totally fine. Yeah, it, The Wire is number one. I, I, I implore everybody to watch The Wire. I like Six Feet Under, too. As far as oh, series finales, man. series finales, Six Feet Under has the best series finale of all time. That show is almost perfect. Like, yes. That oh. show was so good. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Me neither. My roommate 
yeah. at the time like was watching it and I just like it's like what is how could you possibly tell this good of a story yes about like like death yeah these you know people who like were running a morgue like that yeah. was like the most yeah I was totally oh, man like, like I away. cried and everything man I was just like this shit is just so it was it was a beautiful story. Yeah, I, I highly recommend that yeah. that story to anyone. That was that was a great story, man. Um, so uh, one of the last but not least, my one of my favorite questions to ask people, which I asked you this earlier. Okay, all right. So I'm I ready. always say life is like a movie, right? And um, I always ask, um, if there's a movie about your life, and you get to hear the song, and the, you get to choose the song that plays during the trailer and the the song that plays during the closing credits. What two songs are they, and why? All right, I want to I wanna make sure I'm saying this one right. But I have an answer for you. Nice. Um, all right, my phone is off, so I'm just going to go for this. Go ahead. So I've thought about it, and um, I think for the opening credits, I would say that uh, Ina Klein and Knocked Music by Mozart would be the song. Okay. And that's the one that goes dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. For closing credits? No, for opening credits. For opening credits. Okay, gotcha. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Because to me, that represents something that's important to me. Not mm-hmm. something that represents me, but that represents something that's important to me. Which is important. Yeah. Uh, so, it so, matters. So music and, and just like, you know, I, I, have, I hold Mozart in high regard, but it's kind of like childlike and, and mm-hmm. whatnot and, and, you know, naive. Mm. And whatnot. I I don't think Mozart was like that, but his music kind of feels like that to me. Yeah, I I, I get um, it. And I get the feeling on that. Um, and now having gone through my life or or whatnot, I feel like where I'm at right now is um, uh, John Coltrane's interpretation of my favorite things. That's one mm. of my favorite things. I don't know if you've heard that one. Fuck yeah! Yeah. Okay. Oh oh, that's a good ass pick. Which I I feel like yeah. is almost th- those are almost parallel songs. Mm. It was like that was Mozart's like one of the his like poppiest kind of hits mm-hmm. and whatnot. And uh, but it was a great representation of where of what he did that was so special. Yeah. Um, and I have a you know a lot of respect for that, and that was a big song in my childhood. But then my favorite things, I feel like, is the exact same thing for Coltrane's career. Yeah. But, you know, there's Coltrane is just uh, being a, a part of, you know, a modern society mm-hmm. and um, being who he was. That song just has a lot more complexity to it. The story behind it and like just, you know, the evolution of the music from Mozart to what Coltrane achieved with that, yes. with what he was doing at that time in his life, mm-hmm. um, and all the, you know, all the lessons that humanity learned from those two points to create, you know, to go from that Mozart song to that Coltrane song, I feel like makes me, uh, reminds me, makes me feel similar to what I, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between me starting out, uh, you know, as a conscious person in my opening credits to where I am right now. Gotcha. You know, like kind of what I was talking about going home and not having erased the slate, but just building on, you know, adding more flavors to it. Mm. That's what I would do. Excellent. That's a great, great. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. That's that's fucking awesome. Well, thank you for giving me a a couple minutes to think about it. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. All right, man. Last but not least, sir. Thank you very much for this, um, this whole interview, man. So I want to ask you about um, purpose, purpose. Um, I feel like every 
person, man or whatnot, man, woman, child. Um, we all we as humans, we all feel like we have a certain purpose at a time. Um, do you think that like it's an evolving thing, right? Um, what do you feel is your purpose at this moment? Not in life totally, at this moment in time. In this is this at this juncture in your life. What do you feel is your purpose? It's a heavy ass question. Um It's weird. I I I wonder I, I what immediately when you ask me that it makes me think of a bunch of other questions. But um I feel like there's, it's like I, what I want my purpose to be and what my purpose is is what you know you struggle with when you answer this question. We can do both. Yeah, and I, I think that that's probably the reality of it. It's just like your purpose is multiple things. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing I'm doing best at at the moment is helping other people to achieve their purpose. Hey, aren't uh, we all, sir? That's what I, yeah, probably all? everybody yeah. feels that way. It's like I think we as creatives do. Yeah, we it's. As creatives. It's like that, you know, just because it's such an open-ended question and you like you have no idea if mm. you're achieving anything that you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, I feel like the most clarity you get is when you help someone do something that, that you think that they did really well. Mm. And you're like, oh, I helped, you know, that that person because you know you know what they're doing for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you it's hard, it's an easy connection to make, like, oh, they're they do that for other people and i you know this little thing i did helped them to to make someone else feel good it's a lot harder to be like i did something that yeah made somebody else feel good but um yeah i i think i just feel pretty existential about that question it's like mm-hmm. um you know to 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 <laughs> open to to sleep eat drink mm-hmm. and die with you know as little impact on the earth as possible i guess is how i feel like that's the best you know that's the best any of us can do at this point like not mess up the earth as little as we possibly can that seems to be a very modern that is kind of like purpose because people for the longest time didn't care about that nope nope, maybe that's you know in the greater in the greater scheme of things like just not messing up things as much as our ancestors did like making little as little impact as we can is the best thing we can do you know so like wearing my clothes for as long as i possibly can (laughs) that seems doable that's that's usually my thing yes that's my thing yeah you know you using as little bit of water i don't know that's probably a really boring answer no 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 but it's a great question it's a great question i'd love to hear Everybody's answer that oh yeah says that, but I hope I, I apologize. Mine's boring. I, oh no, nah, man, it's all good. We just okay. get started. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's all good, man. Um, thank you so much for sitting down with me for this whole thing, man. This has been great talking to you. I feel like I got a good insight into who you are, and I, I don't get a chance to talk to everybody to you as much as I can because you know we're always moving and shaking. We stop by, we chat, we chop it up every now and then. But I don't get a chance to have these good one on ones. So I really appreciate this. Uh, well, I, I really appreciate 
you having me in the studio and uh you're right i that was the thing you know i was just so happy to go and just get to sit down and talk to you because i don't get to do that very often yeah, so appreciate it. um appreciate it. yeah it was it's been a really great time thank you chris right and thank you all for listening um this has been chris bunt from on purpose studios thank you all remember to continue listening like our um like my stuff of course <laughs> so uh we're on all these all these formats um, listen to us so if you listen to us on whatever format you listen to um give us a follow um, give me a comment like it uh, we're here for you all right so without further ado uh, thank you all for listening again this is chris blunt be good to you people. peace